Okay, ladies, I'm talking to you right now. Are you feeling any kind of change in your body that comes with perimenopause or menopause? It can be a time of transition, but Happy Mammoth understands the journey and is here to make it easier for you. They've crafted Hormone Harmony with a deep commitment to using science-backed ingredients that work specifically for women, ensuring no compromise on quality. Look, I know what it's like to have those hot flashes to where you just want to rip off your clothes, crying at commercials, fuzzy headedness, low libido, the list goes on. But picture this, waking up refreshed, feeling balanced, and ready to tackle the day. That's the experience Hormone Harmony aims to deliver. Happy Mammoth's dedication to women's well-being shines through in every aspect, from their ingredients to their results. Hormone Harmony incorporates scientifically supported herbal extracts known as adaptogens. The remarkable aspect of adaptogens is their ability to assist the body in adapting to various stressors, such as natural hormonal fluctuations that occur during a woman's life's journey. And here's something very exciting. For a limited time, you can enjoy a fantastic 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ICEBABY at checkout. That's happymammoth.com code ICEBABY for 15% off today. Take charge of your changing journey with Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth. Visit happymammoth.com now and use the code ICEBABY for 15% off. Embrace this stage of your life with confidence and comfort. Welcome to Chillin' with Ice with me, Lori Fetrick, or most of you know me as Ice from the American Gladiators. Thank you for joining me on this podcast where we're going to dive in and go behind the scenes on the number one hit iconic show of the 90s. It's time to get up close and personal on what drove us to be gladiators, what challenges we faced, and how we overcame to reach all of our goals. I know in this first season, inquiring minds want to know, was there drama, fights, hookups? Are we all still friends? What did we do in our personal lives and how are we staying in such good shape years later? Well, stay right here and let's get into Chillin' with Ice. Before we dive into our incredible episode today, I want to let you know that this is a self-funded podcast and I would love your support. For the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can donate to my Patreon page and that would make all the difference in the world. For the small donation, you will get back so much in rewards, like you can watch all of my podcasts on video. I will have exclusive content like behind the scenes footage, a private Facebook group where you can interact with me directly and other VIP fans, a monthly Q&A, direct shout outs and follows from me to you on your social media and so much more. Find me on Patreon at Chillin' With Ice or click the link in the show notes now. Okay, let's dive in. All right, welcome back to Chilling with Ice today. I'm really excited about this episode, but you know what? I'm excited about all episodes. As and, you should um, be, yeah. And you know what? And you're going to hear a voice this morning that you probably have not heard before, which is my in-studio producer, Jeff. Hello. So, yeah, I've, I mean, we I'm talk the all ghost. the time and I'm like, Jeff, you got to come on my podcast. We got to talk. Yeah, we do. We do. Someone's got to do it. Well, here's the cool thing about Jeff. Jeff is also a podcaster. I and uh, he was the podcaster on Beer with Friends. Yeah. With Jai. And yep. by the way, that episode was so much fun and I'm getting great reviews on it. Oh, so are we. It's been awesome. 
it's so, been so great. We're making you, an American Gladiators beer soon. We, ha we have to do it. <laughs> see, that's cool. So if you've not seen Beer with Friends yet, you got to go see that on my YouTube or listen to it on, you know, my Spotify and everything else. But yeah, so it's it's been a lot of fun. And Jeff, you've been so instrumental on all my podcasts. So I really thank you. On I got things. you. I got you. you. Know. I heard you watched the documentary this weekend. I did. It was awesome. I watched it with Jai over some cold brews, actually. Oh, and yeah. uh, it was so much fun. It was so cool to just get the insight of the American Gladiators story from their perspective. And there was a shout out for Chilling with Ice on the podcast. Too, I know, right? Which is so cool. It just, I mean, that was just amazing. I'm so, I'm so happy they kept that in, by the way. Oh, you know, yeah. So much landed on the floor. You have yeah. No idea. Yeah. It was so cool. You know. I loved all the uh, the behind the scenes, you know, old school footage of you with your, with, as you'll hear with in Beer with Friends, your your mullet, your Joe Dirt mullet. <laughs> My Joe Dirt <laughs> mullet. Bit of pearls. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So yes, you know, Hey, thanks for coming on this morning with me. Oh, thank I mean, you for having me jump on, jump throughout this interview. If you want to, if you have any questions Let's, for Kathy or absolutely. anything. Yeah. Who do we have today? We have Kathy Sasson. Oh, today. an OG now, gladiator. Like your hat. An OG gladiator. Now, All right. Here's the interesting thing Sick. about Kathy is she was in episode. If you've seen the documentary on Netflix, she was all the way through episode four, <laughs> you know, and you and everybody I'm sure was going, who is that? Who's that? Who's that? Well, we're going to find out who that was. Okay. And this is Kathy Sasson. I'm going to, we're going to go through her backstory. We're going to do everything. So I am super excited to bring on this morning, Miss Kathy Sasson. And she actually was Thunder's girlfriend at the time on the tour she made it on the tour. And so we're going to get a little bit more about that. So Kathy, welcome. Welcome to Chillin' with Ice. Sorry, I, you, this just brings back all the great memories I have of what great energy you have. You're like getting me all high, high, high jacked up here, sitting here in Bend, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're up in Oregon. Yes. I moved here about 20 years ago. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So yeah. Kathy, let's let's go back, and I want my audience to know a little bit about your backstory. So yeah. tell us a little bit who you are, where you came from, and that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, so the, I'm, I'll bring us back to the late 80s, early 90s at Gold's Gym in Venice, California. <clears throat> that I went to UCLA. I stayed around after that. I was from Laguna Beach, California originally, and, you know, just the LA lifestyle. In those days, as you probably well remember, I was kinesiology at UCLA, and had a you know background in training but there was no certification for a trainer there was no such thing as a personal trainer there you didn't have to have a credentials or anything to be a personal trainer all you had to have is a business card that said i'm a personal trainer <laughs> and then everyone's like oh if i want to look like you do i do what you do you're like yeah pay me 100 bucks and they did it so <laughs> good I, old days <laughs> I, I know and and i i have to say back then the three guys that owned gold's gym at the time was Ed Connors, Tim Kember, and Pete Grimkowski. And it was a golden era. I mean, so much of the stuff that I've seen on your other podcasts and I watched on the, the Netflix show, you know, it all so much rotated around there. And there was a reason for that because every movie star, everybody wanted to be there. All the top sports teams, you know, everybody went and trained there. And it was a two blocks away from Muscle Beach, which was what everybody saw on TV and people on the beach lifting weights and all that. 
and all the bodybuilders. It was a Mecca bodybuilding. It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, you know, but back in those days, and actually Ed Connors wrote a book about this called The Three Muscle Tears. You can get it on Amazon. It's amazing to go back and see that history. So, you know, nobody had to pay to be a trainer. You know, people just kind of came in and out. Tour buses would come to the front of the gym and they would let people out and they would stand in the front of the gym and just take pictures. It was like, you know, Universal Studios or something. Isn't that um, crazy? It is. And it, but I, they had the genius to, to like let people do that and gain the exposure. It was free advertising, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because at that time I was living in the San Fernando Valley and so I was about 45 minutes, well, with LA traffic, who am I kidding? An hour, you know, away from Gold's Gym in Venice. And I heard all that about if you wanted to do something and be someone, you got to train at Gold's Gym in Venice. And, you know, I never really knew the extreme of it. And meaning that if I would have known that, oh my God, this really, really is happening and people are being discovered there and people are asked to do commercials and tell... I would have driven every day down there, even if it was an hour just to get the exposure. Yeah. And, but it was a little too late, you know, once I found all this out. But yeah, it was the mecca of bodybuilding. And on top of that, what they did is casting places and movie studios, commercials, print ads, they would come to the gym every morning and put a casting call on the front counter. So anybody that was anybody that wanted to go out on calls and were trying to make it would just go look at the casting call and they would know where to go that day. So a lot of people, like you said, got discovered there. But that was a big thing about the gladiators, right? So the only reason I, I always tell people like I was a I was like a just add water instant gladiator because I was a default man. And I'll I'll get to that. I was not never a bodybuilder. And I was, you know, played stick and ball sports all the way through high school, soccer in college. But then, you know, I was a trainer at Gold's Gym in Venice and my boyfriend at the time, Billy Smith, he, we were working for Gold's Gym and we ran the nutrition department for Gold's Gym. And actually I listened to Laser's interview with you and it, it took me way back there because nutrition analysis was a program that Gold's Gym had and we ran. But, it, you know, this was like full on, we're, we were workaholics at the time, 24 seven, you know, I don't remember a day where I got more than four or five hours of sleep, but, but with Billy, I was you know, we lived together, we trained together, we worked together, we did everything together. And he was an incredible athlete for his size. He was 260, wow. you know, four, but he could friggin' run fast. He was a, you know, he was a high school athlete and he, he held that athleticism. And so when the gladiator thing came around, you know, they, I think they pretty much put a casting call on there and they were looking for people. Ed Connors was kind of a, an icon in helping people get discovered. And he's the one that brought Billy out to California, you know, to be a bodybuilder and get discovered as a bodybuilder. Anyway, so we're doing our thing. I'm training people. We're running the nutrition department. And he goes out for the show and he went to the tryouts and he ran the 50 yard dash and did, did the pull-ups and, you know, faster than everybody. And he was, he had some anger issues. So he was very aggressive and he could knock people out. And they were just like, all right, you, you know, we need you. So, but and he had a great, and Billy had a great look as well. You know, yeah. that blonde hair, <laughs> and he was, you know, he's right. handsome. And yeah, so, I mean, as big as he was mm -hmm. and has he, you're right. I remember he was super agile and fast, yeah. you know? So when oh. he came on the set, the first time I saw him, I was like, oh my God, he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> and the blonde hair, he was a rock. He was a hard rock guy, right? Like he used to do his posing routines, you know, to like, you know, really gnarly hard rock stuff. 
I bet. Uh, anyway, so fast forward to, he was on the, on the first season or two and I would go down and, you know, obviously that's where I met you. The other girl gladiators, I, I became friends with, with Shari, loved her to death. I was never very close to Zap at all or Erica or, you know, a lot of the other girls just because I was kind of with him, right? Now we were, we had to work. And as you guys have mentioned on the show before, people don't really realize they thought the show was being taped live or something. Like he got, he, he literally took his two weeks vacation from Gold's Gym because he had a corporate job and went and filmed the show. So he had to take his two weeks off, right? And went and filmed right. the show, three, four, five shows a day, whatever. So I was supporting him and trying to get work done at the same time for Gold's. And, you know, it was fun, but I, I got, because I was there, I got to learn the games and play around and, you know, practice with you guys. And I mean, I remember Sarge, Rodney coming and teaching the joust and, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Anyway, so then of course the tour happened and we went to Gold's Gym and he said, I really want to go, but they're like, well, you got a job, dude, you know, you can't leave. So he said, well, what if I can do my job and still get it done and still go on the tour? Uh, which was crazy at the time. Okay, remember, no cell phones. We're oh, I know. No cell phones, no computers, no internet, oh. no nothing. Oh, shit. So we literally, it, he said, they said, all right. I mean, it was, you know, he, he really wanted to do it. So we bought a van. We bought a van. We converted. Hey, wait, so you guys bought that van? I thought that was like your your van. And it and it looked like one of those pedophile vans. It did. <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it, was, it was a predator van. But there was a reason for that because we converted it into an office. All right. So the back of the van was a fold out bed that went into a couch. We made a, a desk on the side. It had this big box in the middle that was a fax machine. And back in those days, it was this giant box that we could actually fax things back and forth, being on the road with a sat phone. And then I would literally, and we can get to this, but I would literally drive the van behind the tour bus. After the show ended at 10, everybody loaded on the bus. We were going venue to venue. He had done the show and then would get in and then work, you know, and be sending faxes and at his, at the little computer we had, and then go to the next place. And I'm talking, you remember in the beginning, the contracts were like, oh, if it's more than 300 miles, you'll be flying and you're staying all, right? all this stuff. And then sure enough, as soon as things started falling apart, oh my gosh, it's like 300 miles to the next venue in the middle of winter with trucks and construction and some state, you don't even know where you are anymore. And I'm like driving the van, <laughs> it was horrible. I can't believe you guys, I mean, I can't believe you guys did that. Wow. I mean, Jeff, <laughs> it was insane because just to give you kind of a, a visual, if you think about this, all these two, you know, the tour buses going down the road mm -hmm. and it was in the middle of winter time. There's snow on the ground. Ice which was and everything. Ice yeah. and snow. No pun intended. Right, exactly. <laughs> And all of a sudden there was this like little white van behind the bus, yeah. you know, and I can't exactly. believe it. I mean, if you think, yeah, you're right. We were on the bus partying and having a good time. And you guys, it's so, it's so we're sad. You're working, they're just like the work done for the day. Right. And yeah. driving. And then we get to the venue. And as you know, I mean, there was no, like, you know, there's no DVR. Like you can't even, there was nothing even like that. So people would be at the hotel with all their kids staying up till two in the morning for the gladiators are going to come down with their camcorders, you know, get through the crowd, go sleep for a couple hours and get, get up, do the hardware store appearance, do the autograph signings, promote the show when it started not, you know, when the, the audience right. started dropping and then go to the venue. And then of course the food thing too, I, waffle house. I can't tell you how many freaking waffle houses we went to for God's sake. 
Like where else is open? Waffle House. I love Waffle <laughs> House. <laughs> and here, all these everybody is like fine tuned, and we did nutrition counseling, sports nutrition counseling, right? So, you know, I heard Tower and Laser and like have their little plate in the room and all that stuff, and that goes out the window. You can't and and not having this connection of this is a this is a production. These guys that do these productions do you know, rock stars and oh, like, I know. stuff like that. And they're eating spaghetti and meatballs and pizza and garlic bread. And like, that is not on a bodybuilders, you know. No way. It's not on our diet. It, oh God, absolutely. And about training for God's sake. When are you going to train? There's no, you like people are, it was craziness. So, so Kathy, hold on a second. Now, how did you wind up putting a uniform on? This episode's actually sponsored by icetshirts.com. And you can get your OG gladiator hat. You can get your OG t-shirt. You can get chilling with ice hats, chilling with ice t-shirts. I have all kinds of fun stuff on it. So go to icetshirts.com today. I'll tell you that. So we're, we're following along and it was when Storm blew out her knee. Oh, that's right. And David Fishoff, I remember, you know, he, they, things, they got rid of the atmosphere truck right away, right? Yeah, because it was 18 grand a, a week to keep a giant 18 wheeler on the road. So they get rid of that. Then they start getting rid of everything except, hey, Powerball, that doesn't cost anything to keep on the road. You lay out the right. astroturf and people crash into each other, injury after injury. And this is also the demise of our relationship because, you know, Thunder blows out his, his locates his thumb on the joust. You go to, you know, the ER in Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. They jack you up with, put it back in place send you on the road with a bag full of freaking painkillers. Yep. And then the next thing, Hershey, Pennsylvania, where he went through, they, they, they blew up the mats. Okay. So we're going to get to that in a second. Okay. Don't even okay, go there so, right now. We're going okay, go to go. I was going to ask about that. On. Yeah. So storm gets off, storm get, blows out her knee. They do the MRI. She's done. Fish off. It was like, he didn't have a backup plan. He didn't have anybody. And he looks at me and he's like, you know, the games, you're a gladiator. And I'm like, look at me. I'm not a gladiator. I'm like a contender. I could be a contender. And he's yeah. like, you don't know what you're talking about. I could take the guy that put the, the grip that put, puts a tape on the floor. I'll put him in a uniform. They don't care. And then he you writes know, literally on a cocktail napkin, $1,500 a week. Then I want to listen to your thing. I was like, you guys are making five grand a week. I went $1,500 a week. And I was thrilled. I'm like, I'm a gladiator. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you say that because I remember in the documentary, he goes, when Mickey Mouse, something happens to big Mickey Mouse, we throw another schmuck in the, in the uniform. And I'm like, you yeah. asshole. What do you mean call us a schmuck? You dick. <laughs> I was but like, I, I did I not stuck. like that at all. <laughs> I know. But that's how they were, right? Like, the, I know. Was, exactly. It was a monkey's revival tour. It, it, it's all, it's just Hollywood. I mean, it was the epitome of, it, with all the contract stuff, all that stuff. It's the epitome of, you sign the contract, we don't care. We don't care who you are, you know, but so in on the positive side, for God's sake, that gave me this chance of a lifetime. I was scared to death, right? I was just going to ask you, how did you feel when you first walked out and they called? Okay. They, did they name you Jet at first or what yeah. they named you first? Yeah. So I wanted, I, they asked me what I wanted. I wanted Electra. Okay. And, they, and then they said, you can't have that because it's patented by Mattel. And then there was Electra later on, which kind of pissed me off, but. They chose Jet. I don't know why, but I think there was a popular song at the time that was 
and they had to redo the voiceover and plug me in, right? They did that that night. They had the dressing lady take the name off the outfit, put my name on the outfit. They made me jet because there was a song that went with it that they could, when you got announced and then run around the, the arena, right? Right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I remember the first show I did and I was, the big doors would open and the music would be playing and the gladiator would run out and run around. Of course, I'm, I'm last, I'm in the back, I'm in the, you know, by the, by the exit doors and I'm standing there just shaking in my boots and fish off standing next to me. And I think he knew what I was thinking because I'm like, one would go out the next one, you guys would go out. The next one would go out. Billy went out and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not a gladiator. And he's like, put literally pushed me through the door when they said my <laughs> name and and I'm like run out there and I go to my section and the people in my section were like hey we want your autograph and it was like they don't care yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. on. they don't know you know so anyway that started it and the things that the things that sketched me out you know luckily you guys were so gracious and so nice and let me hang around and play around with you guys and practice against me which was a dream come true because now I knew you were the one, Lori, that taught me. I was the worst one for me. The thing that scared the hell out of me was the breakthrough and conquer. I don't know why. I love the joust. I love the rings, but I was scared to death. And you pulled me aside and you're like, look, it's all in the, it's all in the mind. And you're like, you get down like this. And then as <laughs> soon as that whistle blows, you grab the girl's head and you push her out. You grab the girl's head and you push her out. And I was like, I did that and it worked. Yeah, exactly. There's a strategy to every game, right? <laughs> that yeah, is so it, yeah. So that, you know, that started me on it. And then when when the tour was over, and actually we left a little bit early because he had so many injuries. We didn't finish the tour. I think we left like a month early. We there was a little break. We went back to Golds. And mm -hmm. then right after that, the next season, they just had me on as an alternate. And so I would show up every day and, you know, they throw the name up, the, the names up of who's doing what. And so I was filling in for whoever got injured for right. a game or two. Right. And then it became like more and more people were getting injured for a game or two. And so I, I spent the next season on as an alternate, but filling in for, you know, being a gladiator, getting paid as a gladiator for whenever I, whenever people needed me. Okay. So here's a question because we pulled you up on the internet. We Googled and Jeff, what was that? that name that it on your uniform it wasn't jet panther. it was like pan was it, it looked like it said panther panther, panther. Oh, so they changed it on the show i don't know why they changed it to panther and then they gave it to some guy in england later oh actually oh you mean panther yeah. yeah well you know there's there's a, a jet in the uk the most popular gladiator oh. basically in the uk is jet oh. and then there is panther which was a panther was a girl yeah a girl in the uk oh, okay. so yes <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know. Just like they said, they recycle names. They stick you in the uniform. You well, know? and that's like we 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 hate that. All the gladiators absolutely hate that they recycle the names because of the fact you know it's just one of those things. So now you're on tour. You guys are behind us. Did you get injured whatsoever when you were doing any of the games? I didn't get injured. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't know why I didn't get injured. Probably because I didn't have all the history that you guys did, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was the new one. And so, you know, and, and I, and I tried to be really smart about it because I knew that I was out of my league. You know, a lot of the girls were juiced to the max and they were like the little, the, the college star athlete, you know, coming to kill the gladiator and they're, they, and they, I know, right? they got, and they go home and they're all their entire towns rooting them on. 
And then we keep doing it over and over and get beat right. up. So I, I tried yeah. to be very smart about it, you know, and I didn't get injured, but I, I was- But how much fun did you have? It was the most fun thing I ever did in my life. You kidding me? Especially for a girl, for God's sake. Guys can do sports where they crack each other around, but no. Hey, listen, the first time I did the joust, Sarge taught me, all right, there's a bayonet and, and you're, it's a gun and you're out of bullets and you got to <laughs> use a bayonet. So he taught me a one-two punch where you thrust with the hip, makes them drop their joust stick, right? Yeah. And then you slice their head off with the bayonet. <laughs> nice, nice analogy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if that doesn't work, I'm screwed. But it worked a lot of the times. But the very first time I cracked a girl over the head and she, I could see her brain spinning. Like she got dizzy and fell off. And I was like, yeah, here's the beauty of it. Once you get hit in the head like that, you know what it feels like, you know what to right. expect, but most girls haven't. And that was a very big, I think, you know, b benefit to me. Yeah. But I knew like this is the first time they're going to get cracked in the head. I'm going for it. <laughs> that was my strategy. That was my strategy in the joust. Always get the first hit in because if, if you can get the first hit in and whack them in the head, it will yeah. stun them. And right. then you can always get the second and third one is, you know, and what always made me mad about the joust is when you hit them in the head, all of a sudden they'd bend at the waist, they'd go down and they'd be like hiding their <laughs> head with their joust in front of them. And you're just like, come on, you big baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, girl, I haven't seen you in what, 30 years? I know it's, it's gotta be, right? You look amazing. So do you. So do you. Oh my gosh, you look like you haven't changed a freaking fit. I don't think either one of us have. And that's just through good <laughs> exercise and, and nutrition, like you said, you know? Hey, it's a part of life, you know? It just, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It really does. So now, how long were you with Billy? Five years. We got married the year after. The year you after did get life. married. I didn't know you yeah. guys got married. Okay. Yeah, we were married. We were actually we were married for five years. So I think we we're together for like seven. Okay. But, you know, and, and you guys know he, he passed away and, you know, that ESPN show they did, I was kind of horrified. They really did a crappy job at telling his story. You know, he, he was, I think most bodybuilders, maybe not all, you know, that you, you build a shell up because, you know, a lot of people are protecting themselves from something they went through when they were growing up or whatever. And a lot of it's for the looks and a lot of it's for the money and, you know, all the lifestyle and all that stuff. But he had a really rough upbringing and he had a lot of demons and he had, he's, you know, struggled with manic depression and some, and after, you know, while suicidal depression and, you know, that was his thing, but he, and he, at the time, of course, he was doing steroids, but on the tour, he got addicted to the painkillers. Right. And then we got home, he kept doing them and he told me he wasn't, he told me he stopped, but he couldn't stop. And then he went to Nubane, which was the black market thing that was really easy to get in the bodybuilding world. And he really liked that. I'm and so glad so, I I'm so glad that that wasn't in my world. I didn't even I didn't even know about that. Yeah. And I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty gnarly, right? And and a lot yeah. of people got hooks, but but I think for him, unfortunately, they say statistically, if you have one parent that's an alcoholic or a drug addict, you have a 40% chance as a child. And he had two. So he had an 80% chance of being an addict. Damn, so did I. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? It's like it's brutal. I mean, you have so he had so much to fight against in life. And he was a really good guy, he had a really big heart, but he had a lot of demons and he really enjoyed not feeling, right? And right, being right, of course. And that broke up our marriage because he he went to rehab and it didn't stick. 
And I just was out of my league in terms of that. You know, I didn't grow up that way. Right. And I loved him, but that was a deal breaker. And so we ended up splitting up after about five years, but he did go. I, I introduced him to a great friend of mine, Francesca, who is his wife for 20 years afterwards. She got him off the drugs. She, and he, he still struggled with it, obviously. I mean, that's, it's a personal thing, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, she was the best thing in his life. She was amazing. He really found a connection to God. It changed his life. And she was like his beacon of hope in life. And they, they had a horse and dog rescue ranch in North Carolina. And she has this fabulous restaurant. She's a chef, you know, and so he got a lot of injuries after that. And they kind of depicted it as, oh, you know, he, he's bringing injuries 30 years ago. Right. So no. Like he they had made a knee replacement. They made Billy look like a complete drug addict and he right. had no life, right. like no life. They didn't show anything about how wonderful of what a guy he was or anything like that. I know. Now go back for a moment. Cause I've got a question for you real quick. And that is, and I don't remember, I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't there because you know, every once in a while I took a break from the tour, but when he fell through those yeah. mats, yep. I mean, what yeah, so happened? They had, so they, I remember they had, they, they would come, they, the trucks would get there. The, they, they would blow up the mats for, mm -hmm. for the rings and the, the, their thing that blew them up with broke, but Hey, show must go on. Instead of taking that out for the night, they went to the hardware store literally and bought leaf blowers and were blowing them with leaf blowers. <laughs> and they had those things running all day. And so by the time a show is starting, they looked full, but they were not full. It's like, you can see an air mattress, right? And it looks full, oh, but yeah. then you sit on it, it goes like that. So here he has a 260. Well, and not like that, Kathy, they should have tested it. No shit. Right? Right? Yeah, they don't, they don't even, it's a, it's a set. To them, it was a set. It wasn't right. about the safety. It wasn't even about the athletics. It was, it was what it looks like, right? Right. So he, he went across the rings, pulled the guy off the rings. So he had the guy in his arms and they were falling backwards. So a guy, and the guy was a college football guy. So he was probably 190, 200. They fell flat on the mat on Billy's back was on the bottom and the guy was on top of him and it went all the way through to the cement floor of the arena. Unbelievable. He was out and he had a really bad back injury and that messed him up for a long time. You know, he got through it with painkillers, but that was, so, that was an injury that plagued him. I was just going to say, what do you think Billy's life would have been like if in fact that never happened? He probably would have stayed on the tour. He probably would have not. I, I, it's hard to say, Lori, because he had other injuries too, right? Okay. And what Newbane did for him, I, I asked him, like, I didn't get it. You know, we know so much more about addiction or I know so much more about addiction nowadays. I didn't really get it. Like why, how, when you, when you're addicted to it and you can't do without it, what's the benefit, right? And he said, it makes me feel like I'm invincible. Interesting. And it takes all the pain away. Mm -hmm. And so he could train harder. He, his recuper in recuperation, you're not sore two, three days later, you can train body parts over and over again. And mm -hmm. then taking the steroids, you can, he could build it back up again. Right. So doesn't that um, make your bones like brittle? I don't know. Right. Well, and he had, so he had a double knee replacement later on, and then he got sepsis from that. And literally 10 days after they filmed that interview with him for that ESPN show, he was hospitalized for sepsis. 
He had horrible infections on his legs, which they didn't tell. And he's hobbling around his farm. He had really bad knee infections at that time, right? At that same exact moment. They didn't show any of that stuff. And then he passed away in the hospital before he got home. So that was literally 10 days after that interview, he was he passed away that week. They never mentioned anything about him being a businessman, you know, animal oh. rescue. They mentioned nothing. I know. You know, they, and wanted, they wanted to make it look like that, you know. Yeah, they wanted it. Well, they wanted it to fit their narrative. Exactly. You know, which was which was really sad. And that's why I'm so glad I talked to you afterwards. And I actually, Francesca and I were texting back and forth, you know, and everything. And she was just going off. <laughs> and I don't blame her. I would have also. But you're right. They Billy was an awesome guy, an amazing guy. They didn't even do a tribute to him. They did nothing, you know, know. which is just and talk about. And that's where the disposable gladiators come into play. Right. You know, OK, so if you're going to dispose of them, OK, that's fine. But acknowledge, you know, that part. Right. Totally. Can't agree more. And then the other, you know, my other great friend who is I was closest to as a gladiator was, is Shelly. He was also passed away. Yeah, let's you know, talk about Shelly for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> a Shelly! I mean, it's it's weird because it's like it's it's when I think of Shelly, I just smile because she's just like so, you know, the demons that she fought and the bipolarness that she fought. Every time I saw her, I just saw her full of life and smiling. That's how I remember her. You know, that amazed me every single day that I knew her. And the more I got to know her over many, many, many years, and the more I understood about how she, her upbringing and the things that happened to her when she was a baby and, you know, elementary school, teenager, you know, through high school and beyond are so horrifying that I, it amazed me that she, there was a light in her that you just couldn't extinguish. Like it yeah. always overrode everything that was dark and black. And it, I, I friggin' honestly couldn't believe it. I'm like, how is it possible for you to be this amazing person and be so uplifting and so motivational and so such a beacon for so many other people, especially the whole deaf thing, right? Yeah. She, she straddled a hearing deaf world and not many people can navigate that. You know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of people in the deaf work community, which, and I'm just speaking from my own experience with her and her friends that were in the deaf community versus it's either, Hey, you're either deaf or you're not. You can't, you can't really do both. Right. right. It's kind of mm -hmm. like a, and she did, she could, but she, I don't know if you know how she went deaf. She took a bottle of aspirin. She had a bottle of aspirin when she was three. And honestly, Lori, when I think back on it and I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I honestly believe that was her first very first suicide attempt interesting maybe not even knowing being so young but not right. knowing is like, not live like this subconsciously it, subconsciously her mind was right. like I'm out. yeah yeah really horrible home environment and with an abusive father she got put into foster care mm -hmm. uh, which is a whole other story right she was right. traumatized sexually verbally emotionally by foster mm -hmm. parents so she she got through life of not knowing that this is not normal, like you know, right. children, right? Mm -hmm. And and still, you know, and but because she had taken that bottle of aspirin, I guess a common side effect is when she was six, take some time to go deaf. But when she was six, she was in the van in first grade or whatever, and they do the hearing test, and she kept saying, "Mine's broken," and they're like, oh, "Wow," I say, "No, it's because you're deaf." But she got so good at reading lips. 
as a, ch a very young child, because if she didn't, her father would be let tell. And I'm telling you what Shelly told me, right? I was not right. in her household, but this is what she would tell me. Her father would beat her up and uh, tell her, you're not listening. And he literally did not believe she was deaf. He would wow. not understand. He wouldn't acknowledge. And so it was a survival mechanism for her to read lips and understand what's going to happen without anybody saying anything, right? And she was 95%, I think, in one ear, 100% in the other. She had very little. Mm -hmm. uh, but then she, then she went into the deaf world. And she, she, made it, it, she went through periods of her life where she chose to get rid of her hearing aids and live as a deaf person. Oh, interesting. And she was, I think that was her freest and most happy times in life when she did that. Right. And she was fully immersed in the deaf community. But she also had this incredibly bigger than life persona, famous as a bodybuilder, famous as a gladiator, and just as, you know, and, and like a bridge for the deaf world of, for kids mm -hmm. to say, hey, you've made it. I can make it in a hearing world. I remember when she got chosen for the the sailing team. America Cubed. That's oh, right. Yes. Yes, in San Diego. And, and, that was amazing. And yep. I think that was an amazing feat because if you think about it, the crew, they're literally all screaming at each other and yelling at each other what yep. to do on the sailboat as you're racing. That's right. You know, and she was able yep. to navigate that world, which is just simply amazing. Yeah. So when she went to the tryout for that and they immediately were just like, holy cow, where did this girl come from? She was a grinder, which is down in the bottom of the boat. And in those days it was, you know, kind of like an arm bike, like you're, you know, you're just grinding really, really fast, but it's, yeah. you're, you have to be super high cardiovascular capacity mm -hmm. and really friggin' strong. And that's a very hard combination to find, especially for women and doubly women that know how to sail. She had no idea how to sail. I don't know if she'd ever been on a sailboat, right? But her and John, her husband at the time, moved to San Diego. They were in the trenches learning and then on the boat out in the harbor in San Diego every day. And her pure physicalness and her ability, like you said, to figure out what's going on around her when, I mean, I went to a couple of practices and it blew my mind. There's people running constantly all yeah. over the place, yeah. sails moving back and forth. It's a it's an aggressive sport, right? And for her to figure out what was going on and what she needed to do and just like clockwork, plugged herself in and kicked ass. Yeah, like she was an she, absolutely an amazing athlete. I mean, so did Shelly know that she was gay throughout her whole life and she or was she just bisexual or how did that work out? Because I knew she struggled yeah. with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Another major struggle for her. I don't know. She had a boyfriend in high school. She had a boyfriend who was a really nice guy and, her, you know, to, became kind of her trainer, mentor, agent to launch her into bodybuilding. I don't think I know I, I what she expressed to me anyway. She always knew she was attracted to women, but she didn't know what that meant. And what just the thing that you do is you have a boyfriend and yeah. the thing that you do is you, you know, you are supposed to be attracted to men. And so she went down that road. But she always in the back of her mind was like, mm, I'll just do this because I'm supposed to. Yeah. Maybe. And I, I don't, I'm not saying she didn't love the men she was with because mm -hmm. she did. But there, I think, wrapped up for her a huge part of love. What is love is somebody that's going to take care of you mm -hmm. because nobody took care of her her whole life. Right. Right. 
So that to her, I think there was a lot of conflicting emotions about what is love and what is sexuality mm -hmm. and what does that mean? And, and can you, are you allowed to, is it possible to have all of that in one person? I don't know that she even understood that concept, right? But as she, as she moved on in life and even being married and, you know, it was, it became an issue because she was like, Hey, I know I'm gay. Like she came to terms with that and she understood it. And she's like, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm attracted to women and that's how it is. And so, you know, that, that was a, that was a hard thing, I think for her, especially with John, you know, and, and going on that, the Orlando show. And that actually is something that changed her life. Being on the Orlando show changed her life because she, in what was, way? Well, they were partying so heavily. Oh yeah. They were partying heavily. Yeah. And I'm talking ecstasy and, you know, mushrooms and Coke and alcohol. I heard, I, I heard they started getting into heroin and stuff too. I don't, she never told me that. I hope not, but you yeah. Know, party, yeah. party, party, party. And I think she that was actually, at the very end they got into that. Yeah. I, that That's unfortunate. But she ended up deciding for herself, the show closed, right? And she checked herself into deaf rehab in somewhere, I think up in Minnesota or Wisconsin. And I, I was super fortunate. Something Shelly used to do in her life is she would have a part of her life where once she was done with it, she would close those people out. And it was a door that she shut and moved on, right? And so at, at the end of the gladiators, she was just like, I'm done. I want to live simply. This is unhealthy for me. I want to live simply. And I don't want to have to do anything that anyone's telling me to do training, eating, meticulous about everything, pressure, pressure, pressure. So she checked herself into rehab, got rid of her hearing aids, checked out and said, I'm going to be a deaf person. Wow. And it actually stuck. I mean, that was the first rehab I think that she had been to that, that, you know, she took with her. And then she moved back to Oregon and that by that time I had moved to Oregon. So I got to, you know, reconnected with her and got to see her a lot. She would drive down to our house in Bend and we'd go out hiking and doing stuff. She went to Salem. And she re she decided that she wanted to try and make amends with her family, her mom, her siblings, her dad, for God's sake. And I, I don't even know how she could had the, you know, the the courage. I yeah, <laughs> there I don't ability, understand. I don't understand you know? how people can do that after a certain. I, I guess that's a forgiveness type of thing they have to go through. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a if they can if they can learn to forgive, they can move on in their life on certain areas, and maybe that's yeah. why she decided to do that. Yeah, well, and she did, and she was making great progress. And something that people don't know about Shelley is she was an incredibly gifted artist. She could pick up any medium, whether it was clay, paint, clothing, anything, and just art poured out of her, which people didn't recognize. I think in those days when she was manic in her manic depressive, you know, bipolarism, she would be days in a row with no sleep and produce this artwork that was just blew your mind, would blow your mind. Yeah. So hold that thought because I remember something, you, you triggered a memory right when you said that, because when we were at the Orlando show, she walked in and she had this shirt on and she had design. Okay. So it, wow. I remember, yeah, it was like, I want to say it was a black pullover or a black shirt or something. And she would take bleach. Yes. yes. And she took bleach and she'd dip it and she would draw. And I remember she showed me how to do it. And I did it on one of my shirts. 
And I just found it so damn cool. She would take a, a Q-tip, literally right. Q-tip, dip That's it right. in bleach and draw on the back or the front or whatever it may be on a button down black blouse. I'm telling you, so I, cool. I know. And I, I, she gave me that shirt and that is one of my like, you know, be, most beautiful things. Here's what's even more amazing about that. Okay. I don't care what kind of artist you are. You take a piece of paper, you're going to make mistakes. She didn't freaking make a mistake. The artwork, and I'm talking a bleach and a pen and a black shirt. And I mean, on a Q-tip on a black shirt, like you said, not one mistake. Even if you press too hard, it bleeds. It, it bleeds. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was this amazing, you know, so case in point that, you know, that she just came up with that and just went and did it and then went on to something else, you know? So, but when she came back, she came back to Oregon and she was living as a deaf person and reconciling and had gone through all this. And then she met a woman who she ended up moving in with Julie, who was amazing. She worked at, she had, a, you know, she could take care of her and loved her. And she was a soulmate. And they had a good relationship, but she was also an ex-addict mm -hmm. and they kind of had a deal, you know, like we can't, if one of us is, takes a winger, you can't drag the other one with you, you know? So she had a support community around her, but at the same time, I think I'll never really understand this. And they are doing an HBO special on Shelly's life that should, that's in editing right now and should be coming out soon. And I'm, I'm very interested to see, cause they dug deep. She, I don't, I don't really get like, she was happy. Okay. The last time she came to visit me in Oregon, and I don't, I don't know that I ever could hope that Shelly would be truly hundred percent happy forever. Right. Nobody is, but her, her prime motivation and her prime being to actually be happiness. So she came down to visit and her girlfriend had a job where she had medical coverage that just covered your significant other. Didn't matter mm -hmm. or a woman. And so she got a cochlear implant. And she qualified for it. And she came down to visit one time and they had just put it in. And she told me they don't give you all the sound right away. Okay. You so what is that again? It. It's a, actually a device that's in, it implanted it in your skull. Oh, and, wow. And then a little thing in your ear. And I don't remember exactly how it worked, but it's a permanent way of hearing for people that are deaf. If they qualify, she had a little bit of hearing left. So her, it worked for her, right? Okay. Right. So this is an implant that would allow her to be a hearing person mm -hmm. without hearing aids. And so, and, and she got it, but they were working through a, letting more and more sounds in a little at a time when you've gone a life with no hearing, I guess, you know, you can't just blow, explode. Oh your my brain. God, can, can you imagine all of a sudden you hear everything you just, you would get so overwhelmed. You'd just be like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So she came down, we hiked up this little butte behind our, by our house, Lava Butte. And on the top is a little fire station. And you can see this beautiful, we live in the mountains and the forest and there's, you know, lakes and rivers all around. It was huge mountain range. And she was identifying, like she could hear a bird in the tree and the, and the wind and the trees and, you know, animals. And I mean, it was, it blew my mind and she was really, really super happy and excited about that. And she had a partner that she was stable with and she had her life together. She was working, you know, she got a job actually at the, a local women's prison, or I think the men's prison over in Salem mm -hmm. and was, you know, was feeling like she was productive and what she was being who she wanted to be, not who everybody else needed or wanted her to be anymore. I think for the first time. And she, and she told me, she's like, she felt happiness and she was happy. 
And then it wasn't long after that, that she took her own life, you know? Okay. But, okay. So I know there's a documentary coming out, but not everybody's going to watch that. So can you just kind of briefly, and you don't have to go into detail, but briefly tell me what you told me on the phone of you kind of went, okay, so here's something very strange. Yeah. About before she did this. Yeah. So she checked herself into, in Salem hospital, into the psych ward for, to be on suicide prevention watch. Right. So why did she do that? Do you know? She was, she was struggling. She okay. had started, she had a habit in her past life of cutting and she had started doing that again. She was on meds. She would go off and on her meds, you know, anyone on meds. And I knew this from Billy. I knew this from Shelly. When you take the meds, you might feel more normal, but it, they also have side effects that make you feel crappy and you can't feel like you want. And so they would go off. Mm-hmm. you know, to try and feel normal. So she, I, I don't know if she was off her meds, but she did start, you know, having that behavior. And so she checked herself in knowing that, like, I, I need to get myself in a safe place. And she was on suicide watch. And I have no idea how, and the one place in the world that you should be safe and not be able to commit suicide is in the psych ward on suicide watch. Right. But she was successful. And I did not know this. I found this out later is that her, she had a visitor and it was her dad and she was actually on the pro on a program to, you know, be out of 24 hour watch and kind of work her way back up. Mm-hmm. And after he visited her shortly thereafter, she successfully committed suicide. And I don't know, I don't know what happened or anything, but what I, what I do know is, you know, a lifetime of abuse. I, I believe he got sober. And so mm-hmm. he wasn't an alcoholic any longer. And I think that's how they could have some type of relationship, but it just horrified me to hear that. And, you know, I, like I said, I don't know, I haven't seen a visitor log at Salem hospital. It's what I understood, but you know, that, that to me was very telling. And she used to tell me, I never, nobody ever told me I could be somebody. Nobody ever told me. All I heard was you're a wreck, you know, you're stupid you can't do this. You can't do that. And she never had anybody giving her positive feedback, which is why when she created, you know, herself as a bodybuilder and had all this positive feedback, it was like that, that was her identity, right? Yeah, that was her. Mm -hmm. And, and to hear as an infant and a young and a toddler and an Mm -hmm. elementary school child that you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. I don't know. I mean, that's hardwired, it seems to me, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very strange, like you said. It's like you said, you can't see the visitor's log or anything like that, but it's it's too, I don't want to say coincidental, but I mean, it's kind of odd. And I know that that's what you think as well. I'm, you know? uh, yeah, it's perplexing to me. Yeah. Shelly was just an, an amazing woman and it and it just blows my mind. Like you said, she was you know, going through her rehab and, you know, and I know she went off and on her meds. Everybody knew that, you know, she, and that's was, that was the, the battle of the bipolarness, you know, happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad. It's just unfortunate that it did get to that point. And I'm interested in that documentary as well. I know a couple gladiators actually interviewed for it. I know Shannon did, cause Shannon was very, very, Dallas was very close to Siren for a while. I, at the time, did not actually do an interview for that documentary because there was some kind of conflict that I thought with our Netflix. I don't even know. But yeah, it's just, I was, I was shocked, absolutely shocked when I heard that about Shelly yeah. when she passed away. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure you were. 
I mean, especially. Yeah, I, I mean, I was devastated, but at the same time, I'm like, she, it wasn't her, her only attempt. When I knew her, there were three, but it was usually something like, you know, she would oh, maybe take something that she knew some, she'd be in a place where somebody would find her mm -hmm. pretty quickly slit. She'd cut, you know, so to know that more cries for help. Yeah. Not something like this is going to be it. Like there's no going back. Like there's no way I'm not going to die from this. Right. So she had those periodically. And, you know, so it didn't, it, it finally, to me, it was like, she, she finally was successful. Right. And I know, and, and, you know, trying to understand it and trying to learn about it for myself, some psychiatrists will say, if someone really wants to commit suicide, they will. Right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. to me, it was tragic. And the thing that didn't make sense to me was that she was at a place in her life where she was happy, but I don't know. I don't know how much that those two things are actually connected, yeah. right? Like did she, she was happy, but she didn't think she deserved it because from age zero, she was told and shown that she didn't deserve it. So, you know, whatever that dichotomy is, it, it, I don't understand it, but I can't imagine that it wasn't because there was the one side, she wasn't fighting everything like she used to be, right? I, I'm not really sure how those connect, but I can't right. imagine there's not a connection there. Oh my God, that's unbelievable. Kathy, thank you so much for telling the story about Siren and about Thunder. I mean, because so many people are, are still in the dark. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, what happened to them? Where are yeah. they? How come, you know, there's like literally nobody to speak for them. So thank you because you shed a light on a lot of questions that a lot of people are having about Thunder and Siren. And it, it's so beautiful that you had that chance to really, you know, be extremely close with both of them. You know what I mean? Sad at the same time, you know, because both passed away on, on you know, for you. But at the same time, you got to experience two amazing people. Yeah. Well, and they both had profound impacts in my life. Yeah. As I'm sure, I mean, yes, you're right. It was like a very, you know, intimate relationships, but mm -hmm. at the same time, how much, how many people did they impact outside of their own life? You so know, many. People, and it, they didn't, neither one of them even realized how many people they impacted in such an incredible positive way, you know? Right. And to your point earlier, Lori, like, you know, just the gladiator thing. Okay. So I went on to do a, a, a professional sport of adventure racing, which is a whole different world. I still have my website up, kathysassen.com, and it has an adventure sports thing. And I was just going to ask you what you're doing. So thank you. <laughs> well, well, I did that for 10 years and it was an entirely different, crazy, you know, survival sport. They throw you in a country, you're in a team. You have to just go 600 miles with what's on your back. You go as fast as you can no sleep, no stopping. Nowadays is like, you know, the little stuff they have on. I'm like, ah, that's nothing compared to what we had to go through. But I made a career out of that for a very long time. And then I switched over to commentating, you know, and did commentating for NBC and CBS and ESPN and Outdoor Life Network and all these things. And I'll tell you what, in all of that, the one thing that people say anytime they see me in life is like, hey, what, tell me about that gladiator thing. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. What about my commentating career and everything else I've done? <laughs> hey, the gladiator. It was the fun funnest three years of my life, I would say. Come on, you were, you were part of the complete iconic American gladiator team. And you will always be remembered. And the rest of all, everything that we all do is secondary. <laughs> 
but yeah, I remember you going through the extreme races and I remember watching those and those were intense. Everybody goes, Lori, you need to do one of those. I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, so what are you doing now? Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I met the love of my life and moved to Oregon 20 years ago. We have two wonderful kids. We adopted them from Guatemala, Ariana Mateo. They're fabulous. They've also have changed my life in ways I could never have imagined. Uh, Todd, my husband, is a rock star. He's my grounding force. And I, I, you know, hung up all the athletic stuff. I still work out. I still, you know, like you said, you can't, that's, you can't ever stop doing that. Never stop moving. Never stop moving. Never stop moving. <laughs> I work for a company called Boston Scientific. We sell defibrillators and pacemakers. And it's amazing. We get to be in the implant procedure, assisting the electrophysiologist, implanting these life-saving devices into people. I did that in the field. I became a manager. Now I do medical education and teach people how to use our stuff. So it's a national company. I'm very proud to work for the company. You know, a lot of integrity, make incredibly good stuff. And it's it's really wonderful to be able to actually have an impact on people's lives like that. So. You've done so much. Thank you so much. I mean, it's, you have impacted a lot of people. You really have. I mean, just that you're just an amazing woman and I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Oh, I'm so, I was thrilled to reconnect with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for coming on Chilling with Ice. I know that we spoke on the phone and you had so much to say. And I was like, oh, you've got it. You've got to make time. And so thank you so much. But don't go anywhere because of the fact that we get to do a rapid fire question with you for my bonus episode for my Patreons. All right. All right. So for now, Jeff, do you have any questions for her? Well, you said you live in Bend, Oregon, right? I do. Have you ever been to the last blockbuster? Oh, gosh, I will send you a hat and a sweatshirt from the last blockbuster on Earth. Oh, it awesome. It is here. It's real. And yeah, and I, we still go in there. Most of it's Perfect. DVD. I don't know that they have any VH, VHRSs anymore, but hey, people still go. People still have their membership. That's, we love that's it. awesome because, I mean, Blockbuster is a big pastime from my life. And, and actually, for my podcast, Beer with Friends, it's actually based on a documentary series called Beer Run. And we actually went to the last Blockbuster, and there's a fantastic brewery in Bend, Oregon called Spider City Brewing. Have okay. you been there? I have, but Bend is known for most microbreweries, I think, per capita in the country. So yes, that's yeah. a good one. Awesome. Awesome. I just wanted to know how well you knew Bend. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that, sorry, it's not yeah. gladiator stuff. It's uh, just, ooh, Bend, Oregon. Let's talk about Bend, Oregon and how awesome that place is. That's pretty cool. Kathy, I've never personally been to Bend, Oregon, so I'm going to invite myself up let's and go. come on and up, up and see you. I've never Ice, been there. Come on up, Vice. Come to Bend. I will definitely come up to Ben. <laughs> Kathy Sasson, Jet from the American Gladiators. Thank you so much for being on the show. And like I said, don't go anywhere. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Chillin' with Ice. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to follow us on Patreon and YouTube at Chillin' With Ice. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at lori.ice.fetrick. I look forward to chilling with you next time here on Chillin' With Ice. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.